we have a Duterte phenomenon here in the Philippines. He's making international headlines for the wrong reasons. Cursing, he insults many people, so many people outside the Philippines and even in the Philippines often compare him to Donald Trump, which I think is inaccurate because first, Duterte has been a civil servant for two decades. Second, he is not a billionaire. And third, he has good relations with minorities and Muslim people in the Philippines. That's a sneak peek of what we have in store for you in this episode of Into the Deep, the new Global Voices podcast, where we dig deep into one issue that isn't getting the media coverage it deserves. I'm Sahar, Managing Editor at Global Voices. I live right outside of San Francisco. And I'm Lauren, News Editor at Global Voices. I live in Bilbao, Spain. And today, we are digging deep into the Philippines. called the Pope a son of a whore. He's called U.S. President Obama a son of a whore. He's cracked jokes about rape and is open about being a womanizer. His war on drugs has killed thousands of alleged drug dealers and addicts in four months. But that's only half of the story when it comes to Rodrigo Duterte. He is also a firm supporter of LGBT rights and in the past has said that he would have no issue with a son if he came out as gay, saying that everyone deserves to be happy. He's also said that he wants to legalize same-sex marriage. When he was mayor, he made a policy of distributing groceries to police officers to, quote, curb their temptation to demand bribes. Also as mayor, Rodrigo Duterte codified a system that improved opportunities for women in government. He brought lawyers together to help women in domestic violence cases, sometimes paying the legal fees himself. As mayor, he took concrete steps to protect commercial sex workers from police harassment and intimidation in the city. Duterte was mayor of Davao City for two decades before he became president this year. Unlike his predecessors who first became nationally popular, becoming congressman, senator, governor. Duterte was mayor first and then president. His popularity is really from his performance as mayor and he made a name because of his uh, platform to fight crime and corruption. And that's Mong Palatino. Hi, I'm Mong Palatino, the Southeast Asia editor of Global Voices. I'm an activist based in Manila, and my organization is active on environment and urban poor issues. I think comparing Duterte with Trump is not only shallow, but is also expressive of a predominant Eurocentrism, which sees the need to compare everything with some sort of Western equivalent. That's Carlo Mongaya. This is Carlo Mongaya from the Philippines. I do copy editing for a business firm. I'm also a graduate student of Philippine Studies at the University of the Philippines, Diliman. I've been with Global Voices since 2008. For my part, I see some of its acts to be closer to that of the late Indonesian nationalist leader Sukarno. Uh, for one, uh, both 
leaders have uh, told uh, Western powers to go to hell. They have sought a independent uh, foreign policy. Most leaders have also exerted effort to bring left-wing and uh, right-wing groups under a populist uh, administration. In May 2016, Rodrigo Duterte was elected president of the Philippines with 39% of the vote. His closest challenger only nabbed about 23%. Duterte took power with an overwhelming mandate. The victory of Rodrigo Duterte in the presidential election last May can be compared to the victory of Barack Obama in the 2008 presidential elections. Uh, he is an outsider, meaning he's not part of the traditional elite. Obama was the first uh, African-American who became president. In the Philippines, Duterte is the first uh, president from Mindanao. Mindanao is one of the major island groupings in the Philippines, located in the southern part of the country. It is the poorest region in the Philippines. Uh, there is a Muslim separatist movement in that uh, island. And in our history, no president has come from Mindanao. Mong, you were a legislator at one point. Did you see someone like Duterte rising in the Philippines? No one predicted the rise of Duterte. A year ago, there were many candidates already. The name of Duterte is not being discussed uh, because he is just a mayor of a small city in the remote uh, region of Mindanao. He was the last to announce his candidacy. And so some analysts are saying that people voted for Duterte because he is seen as an outsider of the traditional uh, political elite. Uh, some believe it is a protest vote, a rejection of traditional politics. So many people embraced uh, the platform of Duterte, even if during the campaign period, all of Duterte's statements involved cursing, his plan to kill many people, especially those who are involved in illegal drug trade, he insults women, he even um, uh, and Duterte even earned the ire of the religious uh, sector because he was caught on camera uh, in a public speech denouncing uh, church officials and he cursed at the Pope, <laughs> although he later on uh, apologized and sent a letter to the Pope clarifying his statement. Could you explain the role of religion in the Philippines? The Philippines is the only Catholic-dominated nation in Asia, aside from Timor-Leste. And normally, politicians refrain from making a public uh, feud with church officials, especially bishops, cardinals, and especially the Pope. <laughs> but here is Duterte, who was heard cursing the Pope. Oh, he later on admitted, clarified his statement that it was not meant to criticize the Pope. Duterte publicly uh, argued with church officials, telling, accusing them of being hypocrites. So here is a politician who is not afraid of 
uh, engaging in a public feud with uh, religious authorities. One of the things that has, is marking his presidency so far is the drug war that he's waging. Could you explain a little bit about what's happening there and how the people of the Philippines feel about this? During the campaign period early this year, Duterte promised to end the drug menace. That is his main platform. Fight crime, fight the drug uh, cartels, and he vowed to kill thousands of people. And what happened after he became president on June 30, the killings started. Duterte was previously the mayor of Davao, where he ran a controversial anti-crime campaign that left hundreds dead. He brought that brutal anti-drug effort with him to the presidency. So far, 3,500 people, allegedly drug dealers and addicts, have died in this crackdown around the country. Suspected drug operators, suspected uh, drug lords are being killed across the country. And so many people, especially human rights groups, are denouncing these extrajudicial killings. Uh, most Filipinos are supportive of the campaign against drugs. But a rising number of people are concerned with these extrajudicial killings. And they want the president to make a strong statement to investigate and stop these killings. And if the police are involved, these authorities should be prosecuted and punished. And so on the part of Duterte uh, and the police, they denied involvement in these killings. But we cannot deny the rising number of these deaths because human rights abuses cannot be tolerated. At the same time, many groups are reminding the president that the drug war is bound to fail if it will not address the socio-economic needs of the poor. And we, many human rights groups are reminding the president that the government, the police should not kill the poor, they should kill poverty. And so the issue in the Philippines today is that on one hand the government is claiming success in its intensified campaign against drugs, but on the other hand, there is also the legitimate demand of many groups. On the part of activists, we are concerned about these killings because it could be a bad precedent in the future. Perhaps government critics will be accused of being drug operators and they could be liquidated in the future. So president remains popular, his war on drugs is being supported by many people, but how long can the president sustain his popularity? How long can the drug war will continue to get the support of the people if these killings, extrajudicial killings, will continue? How much of a problem is drugs and drug trafficking? Is this something that merits a quote-unquote war, or is this politically convenient to focus a lot of energy on one thing. Well, to be fair to Duterte, the drug problem is has been a serious issue and a major uh, problem in the Philippines in recent years. His predecessors have also uh, admitted 
that drug menace is a problem that the government should address. But Duterte uh, made it his uh, principal platform. Uh, and according to him, it's the number one problem in the Philippines because it has uh, affected the bureaucracy from the top echelons in power up to the grassroots level. So he said it will be uh, a bloody campaign to eliminate drugs in the Philippines. So it is a legitimate campaign and the drug menace is really a serious problem. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Todo chévere. That's everything's great in Venezuelan and Colombian Spanish. I'm Laura, and I'm the Latin American editor for Global Voices. Want to read more about the topics we mention in this podcast? You'll find them and more on our website, globalvoices.org, on Twitter at Global Voices, and on facebook.com slash globalvoicesonline. Que la pasen chévere. Have a great time. I am a president of a sovereign state, and we have long ceased to be a colony. I do not have any master except the Filipino people. Nobody but nobody. You must be respectful. Do not just throw away questions and statements. That's Duterte calling American President Barack Obama a son of a whore. We asked Mong how Duterte's statements were playing over for the Filipino people. Duterte publicly uh, announced his intention to have an independent foreign policy, which means he said it will be a separation from the United States. Duterte's policy pronouncement with regard to the Philippines' relationship with the United States has uh, surprised many people and it left many political analysts confused because the Philippines has a good relationship with the United States in terms of uh, trade. Many Filipinos are living in the United States and the United States uh, investments have been rising in recent years. Duterte said that the United States has an undue influence in Philippine politics, so he vowed to depart from that policy and that uh, the Philippines from now on will pursue an independent foreign policy. And then he made a trip to China. He affirmed that the Philippines will establish closer ties with China while uh, lambasting the criminal uh, atrocities by the American colonial government because the Philippines was a former colony of the United States. There is really no deep anti-American sentiment in the Philippines. And Duterte, when he returned from China, he emphasized that there will be no separation of ties with the United States only that the foreign policy will be more independent today. That's his clarification when he arrived from China. So the relations is expected to continue normally. Uh, what 
Duterte only said that the military games will be suspended because the Philippines does not want to antagonize any countries in the region. So that's that's Duterte's clarification. Um, so you seem pretty confident about that, Mong. Just a little backstory here. Mong uh, used to live in in the U.S., right? In um, in a in an area I actually live in now, uh, in the Bay Area, right outside of San Francisco Daily City, which is known as Little Manila because we have a huge Filipino American population here. Um, so when you speak to your your family members who live who live in the U.S., are they pretty confident that, or are they kind of worried about his statements? Some Filipinos express concern about the backlash, but many Filipinos also believe that it is impossible to really separate close ties between the Philippines and the United States. But what one thing is clear that it is unprecedented in Philippine history. It is unusual for a president to say those words about the United States. So some people are too shocked, too surprised. To, and we're, many are still unsure whether this latest pronouncement from the third day will be good or bad for the country. Okay, um, could you describe to us what happened outside the U.S. Embassy on October 19th with the um, protests by indigenous peoples? Over a thousand members of national minority groups and indigenous peoples were protesting in front of the U.S. Embassy last October 19 when police forces defending the embassy violently dispersed the rally. This rally organized last October 19 became uh, violent when the police forcibly dispersed the protesters and more than 50 were injured and almost uh, five almost uh, died because a police car was used to remove protesters in front of the United States Embassy. Indigenous groups have organized a protest with two objectives. One, uh, to denounce American interference in Philippine politics, uh, American involvement in the militarization of communities where mining operations exist. American-owned plantation companies are displacing indigenous people. The second objective is support for Duterte's independent foreign policy. Now, protests in front of the United States Embassy is normal in Philippines. When you say the militarization of the regions, could you explain that a little more? Why are the regions being militarized? Okay, so the militarization is related to the intensified mi mining operations across the Philippines. So we passed a mining law in 1995. So in the past two decades, mining operations intensified across the country. Unfortunately, these mining sites are also the ancestral domain of indigenous people. So these groups were displaced from their homes and if they refuse, the government has authorized mining companies to get the services of the military and even uh, private armed groups because these uh, mining sites were identified as top investment priority of the state. Back to the, the protest on October 19th. 
Could you tell us a little more background on that? How have minority groups and indigenous peoples fared under the presidency of Duterte? Has anything changed in that regard since he took power? Duterte is generally perceived to be more open to change as opposed to previous administrations. He has, for example, invited leaders of national minorities to talks inside the presidential palace. He has also appointed some progressives in his cabinet with an anti-mining activist as his environment secretary and a peasant leader as his agrarian reform uh, secretary. But as the violent dispersal of the U.S. Embassy protests has shown, this change has yet to be concretized for much of the national minorities. They are still being displaced from their ancestral domains and uh, their communities are still being militarized. The indigenous people who protested is part of a newly formed group representing indigenous peoples across the Philippines. And one part of the de delegation came from Mindanao, which is the where Duterte came from. And so they went to the United States Embassy to dramatize the, their protest against uh, the militarization in their communities, reminding about the role of the United States government and companies in the militarization of their region. They were there to protest mainly against American government. The fact that they were protesting in the capital means that they have yet to feel the reforms promised by Duterte. So the protest is also meant to remind the government about the need to empower the indigenous people. So this is a, a timely reminder for the government to broaden its anti-drug campaign. Uh, the priority should not be to kill so many people, but to address the socioeconomic needs of the people, address poverty, especially in the countryside. Looking ahead to the future, how do you feel, Mong, about Duterte's presidency? I am hopeful because here is a non-traditional leader who listens to the plight of the common people, uh, who is brave enough to declare the need for an independent foreign policy, something which is enshrined in our constitution, and hopeful that the president will listen to human rights groups who are, which are reminding him to improve the framework of the war on drugs and reminding him that uh, the best solution against drugs is to solve poverty in the Philippines and hopeful that under Duterte's uh, presidency he will implement reforms that will empower the poor, the indigenous people, those who voted for him and since he became president only a few months ago, many people continue to hope that his strong statements against drug operators, drug lords, will be applied also in addressing the numerous problems plaguing the country. And that's a wrap. This is Sahar. And Lauren. 
This is a podcast of Global Voices, an international network of passionate people who keep tabs on the online conversations happening in their regions. Our 1,400 mostly volunteer writers, editors, and translators cover stories from 167 countries and translate them into more than 30 languages. Together, we've been building bridges of understanding, as we like to call them, through our digital reporting since 2005. Inspiring work of all of our Global Voices authors, translators, and editors made this episode possible. So big thank you to all of you out there. Don't forget, if you like what you heard, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. In this episode, we featured Creative Commons licensed music from the Free Music Archive, including Grey Gun, Faster Faster Brighter by Blue Dot Sessions, and Under Suspicion by Lee Rosevere. Thanks for going into the deep with us today. We'll have a new episode for you soon. Until then.